At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Send the Sports Betting Network. It is our number two of the look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got ourselves a tremendous hour as I'm holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight as we're going to be joined by Eric Moody in about 45 minutes. He does great work over there at ESPN. We're going to get his thoughts on what we're seeing with all these players in the NBA demanding trades, all the moves that we have been seeing. Take a look at that futures market and anything that he's taking a look at for the upcoming season in terms of player props, season wins, and we're also going to be taking a look forward to the NFL season with Frank Schwab. Does amazing work over there at Yahoo Sports. We're going to be diving into that with him in 15 minutes. Unfortunately, we just haven't had a lot of headlines in terms of the NFL right now. The biggest thing is the Deshaun Watson ordeal, and I think that many people would agree with me. We were probably wishing we would be able to talk about a little bit of a different topic than that, but there certainly are betting implications to what is all going down with the embattled Cleveland Cleveland Browns quarterback be able to take a look at just how to be able to gauge the team in general. Is there any way to be able to get down money in terms of being able to back or fade the Cleveland Browns, depending upon how you wind up feeling, depending upon what you think is going to wind up happening with a possible suspension. So we're going to be diving into a lot of that with Frank in about 15 minutes. But that's some baseball that we're able to take a look at for the 4th of July. And I've got a DK Nation write-up that we've got coming right about now, 967, 968 on the betting board. We're going to be heading to Boston for this one. This is going to be one of the earlier games, 10.35 a.m. Pacific, 11.35 p.m. Eastern. and Or I should say 1.35 p.m. Eastern. If it was 11.35 p.m. Eastern, that would be a very late game. But that said, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Michael Waka is going to be getting the start for Boston. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, this is essentially a bullpen game. Jalen Beeks is officially going to be getting the start, but Jalen Beeks... He has gotten seven outs or fewer in all 20 of his appearances thus far this season, so fair to call this one a bullpen game. Right now, the Red Sox find themselves a minus-135 favorite at DraftKings, and plus-115 is your price on the race. 10.5 is your total. The over is minus-105, the under is minus-115, and many of you guys may not have access to this book right or to this game right now because many books do not have this up. DraftKings is really the only book in terms of both Vegas and East Coast that I'm seeing a number up on this game, and... I like it under. I want to say my total at a nine because this has been a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen that shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They've been pretty darn good this season. Where have we heard this before with the Tampa Bay Rays? But got so many guys like a Jason Adam, Colin Pooch, Brooks Raley that have been able to come out of this bullpen. They've been able to do an absolutely amazing job for the team all season long. When it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, they're currently eighth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA and 
The Boston Red Sox have been able to come along for the ride a little bit as well in terms of their bullpen ERA. It was a little bit of a rough series for them against the Chicago Cubs. But with that said, over the last, I would say, 30 days, they're right around 10th or 11th in terms of bullpen ERA, posting up a 3-5 as a collective. So after they wound up having their bullpen woes to begin the season, they've been able to lock it down. But what really has me impressed is the way that Michael Walker has been able to pitch at home. He has a buck 39 ERA in all six of his home starts thus far this season, has allowed two runs or fewer. He's going up against the Tampa Bay Rays team that, coming into the weekend, they were 23rd in the league in terms of runs per game. Now, they were able to put up five-plus runs in each of their final three games against the Toronto Blue Jays, but right now the Toronto Blue Jays have been a machine to the over because they just have absolutely no bullpen whatsoever. Guys, not named Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman have been able to lend you some good starts. And hey, when Kevin Gosman wound up starting in that series against the Tampa Bay Rays, he wound up leaving after two innings because he got hit by a comebacker. So that wound up not necessarily being too terrific for the Toronto Blue Jays in that series, but... When it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays team, just not a lot of power. And I think a lot of people will be surprised to know that the Boston Red Sox have not necessarily been too much of a home run team either. Both of these teams hover right in the neighborhood of 20th in terms of home runs per game, right around 0.95 home runs per game out of both of these teams. And for Boston, they've actually put up more runs on the road than they have been at home. Boston with having the Green Monster, typically it's revered as a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark. That hasn't necessarily been the case this season for the Tampa Bay Rays. They've been able to do a nice job of being able to mix and match just really over the last few seasons. Ever since Kevin Cash wound up taking over of being able to do a nice job, being able to get good innings out of the bullpen. And I do think that they're going to be able to do so once again in this one. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they actually wind up getting reinforcements as well because they had a player or two that wound up being out of the series in Toronto because they did not wind up meeting the COVID-19 mandate in terms of having the vaccine. So they wind up getting left behind. They wind up rejoining the team when they wind up going to Boston. So reinforcements are going to be on the way for them. And they did wind up using up their bullpen quite a bit because they had a double header on Saturday. So that is actually going to be very welcome for them. But you do take a look at this race lineup. They do have Wander Franco that is back in the fold. And you got a pair of guys in Yandy Diaz along G Man Choi that'll be able to provide right around about a 385 to a 395 on base. So these guys have been rock solid. But you take a look at the bottom of the fold for the Rays, and you got on any given night right around three or four guys are hitting right around a buck seventy-five or lower for the team, like Brett Phillips, Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls, Rene Pinto. You're able to go down the list, and we've got a lot of guys that are not hitting right now for the Boston Red Sox. Very much a top-heavy team for this bunch. Jaron Duran along J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts. All these guys have been able to hit a three ten or greater, and then you wind up going down the line to some of these ancillary guys whenever Kevin Ploiecki winds up getting a start at the catcher's spot. Christian Arroyo, guys like this just have not been able to get on base and really had a great Red Sox bullpen that after they wound up putting Garrett Woodlock from the bullpen into the starting rotation, they had a tough time being able to find roles for these guys, but someone like a John Schreiber has been terrific for this team. Tanner Alka has been able to do a nice job finding his footing in terms of the bullpen, so it has really been able to come along for the Boston Red Sox, and I do think that with this being a little bit of an earlier game as well. That is going to be affecting both of these teams because you've got a Rays team that they have to travel from Toronto. They have to wind up getting down to Boston. And a Red Sox team that they want to play an afternoon game with the Chicago Cubs. And now they have to travel back east as well. I think that that's going to take a little bit more out of the hitters than the pitchers. And while I do think that you got to factor in the fact that Boston is probably going to be playing a little bit more hitter-friendly here during the summer months, 
10 and a half just seems way too high, especially with the way that Michael Walk has been pitching, the way that the Tampa Bay Rays just always manufacture magic when it comes to these bullpen games as well. So that's what I'm going to be taking a look at with regards to my DK Nation pick. And if you're taking a look at the side, I felt like Michael Walker should be a little bit closer to a right around a minus 145 favorite rather than a minus 135 favorite. So being able to get him right now, as we're seeing at DraftKings, a minus 135, that is one that appeals to me as well. So I'm looking Red Sox in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and that's what I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation, doing a little bit more of a deep dive there. And I know we're number one. We wound up having um, one of our good friends, Dave Julian, one of the games that he likes for Monday is this Minnesota Twins versus Chicago White Sox game. But if we wind up doing a dive on that right now, this is 973 and 974 on the betting board with the White Sox sending Johnny Cueto to the mound. And Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy, is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Nine and a half is your total. As this one up opening up nine, we have seen this progress to nine and a half in most books out here in Las Vegas. And finding the uh, Chicago White Sox in between about a minus 122 to a minus 130 favorite between plus 105 to a plus 115 is going to be your price on the Minnesota Twins. And I'm willing to lay up to a minus 130 with Johnny Cueto. Cueto wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it when he wanted coming out of the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox in their strange relief role that they wound up having him a little bit earlier in the season because he wound up having one game in which I think that they wound up having a starter knocked out in the first inning. He wound up having to come in on short rest in long relief, something like that. And that wound up throwing off his home and road splits. But by and large, Johnny Cueto, right around seven and a half to eight strikeouts per nine innings, keeps things out in front of him. Two and a half walks per nine innings, not really allowing the deep ball too much. Opponents are in that neighborhood about 245, 250 off of them. And this is a White Sox team that they do have a little bit of a tougher time hitting righties rather than lefties. I think that that's just so important when handicapping White Sox games because they're hitting above a 290 against lefties compared to right around a 240 against righties. It is very, very stark now with the Chicago White Sox. You got guys that all of a sudden are able to get on base for you. Tim Anderson has been able to hit a 335. Andrew Vaughn has been able to hitting in the pocket about a 300. And then Jose Abreu, he has been one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball over the last three days, hitting above a 330. Your problem with this White Sox team is that you still don't have anyone that's been able to hit for a double-digit amount of homers this year. They've been dealing with injuries to guys like Eli Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal. So they have been a little bit short-handed there. And for the Minnesota Twins, it's an interesting bunch that has really been able to do a nice job of being able to manufacture runs whenever Byron Buxton's been out there. Buxton is able to give you a home run every 10 or so at-bats. He's got 21 on the season, but he's missed so many games that he has robbed himself of really any chance of being able to win the American League MVP. As If he would be an everyday player, if he were able to stay healthy, who knows? Because this is a Minnesota Twins team that they're just so much more lethal whenever he's out there in the fold. Kind of figure that he's going to be good to go in this one. Carlos Correa has been able to hit 300. And then Lisa Rice under the radar. I don't understand why this guy doesn't get more attention. Sitting right around at 340 with a 425 on base. Not a guy that's obviously going to give you too many home runs, but, I mean, we've got someone hitting at 340 that's getting absolutely no love whatsoever. But you do take a look at the rest of the Minnesota Twins lineup. Nick Gordon has been able to do a solid job of being a reach base for you. You've got a lot of guys like a Trevor Larnage that are able to give you right around a 240 to a 250 batting average. Max Kepler finds himself in that fold as well. But I do take a look at this White Sox bullpen. Has been a little bit anemic. Joe Kelly, north of a 70 or 8, just has not been too terrific. The Liam Hendricks injury has hurt them. But Kendall Graveman is someone that you're able to trust in in the ninth inning. And for the Minnesota Twins, you don't really have that one lockdown guy for the team right now because they wound up trading him in Taylor Rogers to the San Diego Padres in the offseason. Emilio Pagan, Caleb Theobar. These guys have been a hot mess, posting up north of a 5 ERA. You've been able to get a little bit more out of some of the longer guys like your Griffin Jacks. 
I've liked what I've seen out of Johan Duran. He's a guy that right now leads the big leagues in terms of pitches that have been thrown at 100-plus miles per hour. So that is a little bit more appealing. But having to go on the road for the Minnesota Twins, I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a tricky spot. And for Dylan Bundy, doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. Gives up a whole bunch of hard contact in general as well. So that doesn't necessarily play to his strengths. Good news is he is doing a solid job of being able to lock down in terms of the walks. Fewer than two and a half walks for nine innings out of him. But I do like the White Sox up to a minus 132. Here, and I do mind saying my toilet at 8.8 with the way that the White Sox just have not necessarily been able to get the deep ball going. So I'm looking at an under and I'm looking at the White Sox. And coming up next, we're looking at some football with our good friend Frank Schwab. He does a great job over there at Yahoo Sports being able to gauge all of this. And it's going to be a very interesting season out there in the NFL. I'm going to preview it with them next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead with myself, Greg Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight and joining me to be able to hold it down, Frank Schwab. He does an amazing job over there at Yahoo Sports. A man that, much like myself, has spent quite a bit of his life out there in the great state of Wisconsin and Frank. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Go on, Greg. I was just in Wisconsin with the Summerfest. It had been so long. So, yes, uh, on Wisconsin. Very nice. Always one of the best events out there in the great state. And hopefully there is going to be some great festivities for you for the 4th of July. Be able to rest up a little bit before we wind up getting into what I think is going to be an amazing NFL season. But there is a few questions that we've got going into the NFL season. And right now, the one that is the biggest of note is what's going to be happening with the Cleveland Browns because I know that we've heard so many things in terms of the Sashawn Watson suspension before the debate was whether or not it was going to be a six or eight game suspension. That number just seems to be moving up and up and up as this process winds up going along. I'm sure that you, much like me, wish we were talking about a little bit of something different, but in terms of Cleveland Browns, it's just really hard to be able to gauge this team because, I mean, if you're a believer in what you're going to be able to get outside of Deshaun Watson, you might actually be able to find a little bit of value on this team, but it's just so hard to be able to gauge it right now because this is just an unprecedented situation, in my opinion. It really is. It's tough on a few levels here. Let's, I mean, start, you know, reverse engineer this a little bit. We don't even know if Baker Mayfield is going to be there, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we can't even sit here and say, well, if Deshaun Watson is gone for a year, then we know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be 
Baker Mayfield, somehow they mend fences, if it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. So we don't even know what happens if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a full year. And I think it's going to be at least a full year. I'll give my colleague Charles Robinson credit for this because I hadn't thought of it in terms of this. But if the NFL gives Calvin Ridley a full year for betting a couple hundred dollars on parlays, they can't give Deshaun Watson less than a full year. They just can't. It, the optics of it would be so awful. They would get just destroyed on every social media site. So I don't think it could be any less than a year. I honestly think it's going to be two. I think it's going to be the Trevor Bauer uh, suspension in just an NFL terms. So I don't think we see Deshaun Watson this year. And I think that you know most of the odds are, are down on the Browns, right? You can't bet their win totals in many places and all because of the uncertainty. But as, you know, as you're putting up the odds there, you can still bet the you can still bet around them. And I think Ravens are a great bet, honestly. If you prefer the Bengals, I get that. That's fine. But at some point this earlier this offseason, the Browns were favored to win this division. They're still up there, like he's like he's showing there, plus three hundred. It's not crazy odds on a team that we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. But I find then that the value is on the Ravens, is on the Bengals, because I don't think Deshaun Watson's there all year. I already have a, a ton of Ravens uh, futures with them to win this division. I, I don't if you prefer the Bengals, I get that. But right now is the time you can get either of those teams before Deshaun Watson goes away for the year. I, I still think there's value on either one of them. And I was talking about this a little bit in the first hour, taking a look at what wound up going right slash wrong last year and turning it forward. And when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, I think they have to a little, have a little bit of an asterisk as to what wound up happening last season because I mean, darn near every single weapon that was at the disposal of Lamar Jackson wound up getting hurt. Now, there was the Hollywood Brown trade that wound up happening, so that's a weapon that is not going to be returning to him, but... With that said, the running game should be significantly better for the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm not sure about you, but it feels like people, when they wind up gauging Lamar Jackson, it's either the absolute tip of the scale or it's the absolute bottom of the scale. When in reality, I think it should be probably somewhere in the middle. And I just feel like there are so many people that they're either looking to just seriously fade the Ravens or they're looking to back them in every way humanly possible. When I think in reality, it's probably somewhere in the middle. And I think that if you wind up getting a somewhere in the middle Lamar Jackson, that could be good enough for a double-digit win season. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. And, I mean, if we look at the Ravens just last year, like you said, injury-wise, it's hard to come up with another comparison of a team that was that banged up. I mean, they were losing guys left and right in training camp and all the way through the season. Lost key guys in their offensive line, their secondary. Running backs, obviously, they were right down there. And even still, with that, about eight, nine games into the season, it looked like a Super Bowl contender. It looked like a team that could win it all. Then they, you know, injuries really, really caught up to them even more. Lamar Jackson was out. But you look at late in the season, I believe they lost five games in the last seven or eight by three points or less. It was a uh, remarkably unlucky stretch for them to end the season. They missed the playoffs, and everybody's, I think, is, they're just kind of boring at this point. But to me and you, Greg, boring can be good because the boring for the Baltimore Ravens is we can always bank on them to have a winning record. Before last year, I believe John Harbaugh only had a non-winning record one time in his Ravens career over more than a decade. They're one of the most bankable assets in the NFL. Last year, to me, was a total fluke, just injuries and then the bad luck game-wise and close games late in the season. I think they bounced right back. I think Lamar Jackson is really, really good for what they want to do. And you talk about Marquise Brown. No, they don't have a lot of receiver. This passing game might not be that great, but it doesn't matter. They're going to have J.K. Dobbins back. They're going to have Gus Edwards back. Lamar's going to be healthier. Offensive line's going to be healthier. They drafted a center with that pick they got from Marquise Brown. This is going to be an old-school team that runs the heck out of the ball, plays good defense, is really well coached, and I believe in what they have. I, I just think 
The Ravens are one of those teams that if you bet on them every single year, you're going to turn a profit because they're just one of those stocks that just keeps going up and up. Yep. Now the juice on the over for their season win totals is relatively high right now. I'm seeing it at minus 150 at DraftKings. So I would say shop around, try to see if you're able to reduce it, if at all possible. But right now we're seeing that total at nine and a half. I want to saying that I like them to be able to win a double digit amount of games. So I am in agreement with you there. And then you talk about bankable assets and you talk about something that doesn't wind up going into a funk very much. The Pittsburgh Steelers, it doesn't matter who they wind up sending out there. They always are able to overachieve, though. This year, it's a little bit different. They no longer yeah. have Ben Roethlisberger, who had been there since 2004. So this is clearly not the same team as normal. But I'm seeing the win total at 7. I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers wind up making the postseason. But I think at 7, at very minimum, you do wind up pushing on this one. If I'm looking anywhere, I like it over. I'm not sure about you, but I don't want to be betting on an under on a team that's coached by Mike Tomlin. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I just, you know, I'm doing my team previews. They come out every single day and I have written the Steelers one already. It comes out in a little bit, but it was one of the tougher previews to write because on one hand, just like you said, the Steelers are always there. Mike Tomlin has a Hall of Fame resume. He has never had a losing season as as everybody's talked about by now. And yeah, they lost Ben Roethlisberger, but anybody who watched that team, even the last couple of years knows well, that wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. That was the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger back there. Their quarterback play can't get any worse. So you look at that. Okay, that end of the spectrum for the Steelers. On the other side, they were so lucky in close games last year. They were so out over their skis. Every single advanced stat in the world had them about a seven-win team rather than a playoff team. So that regression is coming. So where do you go on the Pittsburgh Steelers? And, you know, it's funny that you probably end up with about seven. You're probably saying, like you said, when you're betting on a, a number like that, you probably say this is probably going to be a push, but it's probably a higher probability that they're going to go over that than that they're going to go six and eleven or whatever the math is there. So I don't think this is going to be a six-win team because Trubisky, Pickett, they're not going to be worse than 2021 Ben Roethlisberger was. Tomlin's a great coach, still a lot of guys on that defense, a lot of good playmakers on offense too. I think they're going to be okay, but it, it's probably going to be Tomlin's first losing season. We'll just have to see whether they get over that win total or not. Yep, I do agree with you there. I think that it's one of those cases which I'm looking at. If I'm looking at anything right now, I think it's more likely that they get to eight to nine wins rather than falling short at like five or six personally. But I think that's seven relatively fair number right there. I would rather have it over than under, but certainly not necessarily the most conviction in the world there. And I know there's been a lot of talk around the NFC East this offseason with everything that we've seen with the Philadelphia Eagles making some draft draft day trades, being able to bring in A.J. Brown, but I still take a look at the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, we're seeing their season win total at 10, and right now, you're seeing their odds be able to win the division. And a lot of spots right around about a plus 140, plus 150, give or take, depending upon your book. I'm not sure how you wind up feeling about the Dallas Cowboys, but we talk about a coach that you can always trust in when it comes to Mike Tomlin. Now we're talking about Mike McCarthy, a gentleman that both of us know and probably don't necessarily love, and I do take a look at the Cowboys. I think that they've got the most talent out there in this division, but I do think that's a little bit of a horse apiece situation, but I still do default a little bit more to the Cowboys in this division. I, I, it's hard to go against them because the playoff failure last year kind of overshadowed the fact that they were really, really good in the regular season. I mean, they were the number one team in DVOA for, through the year. They really should have been a, a team that at least made the NFC Championship game. They fell short, so... That might give them a little bit of value right now because everybody remembers them losing to the 49ers and a weird run on the last play and all that kind of stuff. But this was a really good team. But some of the things that made them strong have been eroded. They had to trade a few guys for cap reasons, Amari Cooper being prominent among them. You lose some of your offensive line. 
all of a sudden you're not quite the same team. I'm on the Seagulls bandwagon. I know it's it, it's cliche at this point. Almost everybody's on the Eagles, but I think the Seagulls team is going to be really, really good. I, they they do a lot well. The AJ Brown addition I really like. Whereas the Cowboys have come back to the pack a little bit. If you're giving me the, the same odds on both teams, I probably end up going with the Cowboys. But that's not the way it is, as you can see there. Eagles plus one sixty five. Give me that. I think that's a little bit better value than the Cowboys right now. Yep, it's going to be such an interesting NFC East this season. And as we know, there hasn't been a team that has repeated in the NFC East in over a decade. So it has been quite a while. And Frank, I know that you're doing a great job of being able to preview forward for this upcoming NFL season. You're hard at work on all those previews. Thank you so much for joining me right here on The Look Ed. Always appreciate it. Hey, you know, it's one of those things. When I start these previews, I'm like, yeah, football's right around the corner. So can't wait to get into it. Exactly. It's just one of those things in which you know that you're very, very close to the NFL season when you start writing up those previews. So before we know it, it is going to be week number one of the NFL season. But right now it is baseball season. So coming up next, we got some great games for the 4th of July. How about if we dive into those right here on VSIN, the Sports Bang Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Join in 20 free to play pools all season long for your shot and a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as per usual, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to Frank Schwab for joining me in the last segment. We really got into a lot of the nitty gritty with the AFC East with it or AFC North with them. So it was great to be able to take a look at what we're going to be getting out of that division moving forward. And we're going to keep the NFL chatter going in about 15 minutes. Eric Moody does a great job over there at ESPN, does a lot of fantasy football. So we're going to get a little bit more of some player props for the season with him. Going to be talking as well because he does a great job with the NBA. Just all that we're seeing in terms of the hoopla with all these guys requesting trades. So we're going to be chatting with him about that in about 15 or so minutes. That's coming up at 8.45 p.m. Pacific time. And you're out there on the East Coast, 11.45. But got to give a shout out to everyone behind the scenes doing great work as we've got Oliver. He posts up every single one of the hours that we wind up having for all of our shows, whether you like this show, The Look Ed, which I'm filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. Typically, you wind up getting Scott, but it said you've got Greg Oops Peterson, whether it be Follow the Money, The Greg Peterson Experience, which that's the show that winds up airing at this time every Saturday. list goes on and on, vcin.com slash podcast. We've got you covered on every single hour from every single show, and Oliver does a great job there. You've got our technical director, Andrew, who, much like myself, is a man from the great state of Wisconsin. Actually, wound up growing up very close to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, as it's always great to be able to have the Wisconsin reunion there. My wonderful producer, Brian. I know that Jason wound up doing some booking of the shows as well. He typically is in the producer's share tonight. Brian, he winds up making the trek with me from the Greg Peterson experience, and then you've got Taylor, who gets me all set up on audio. I'm not saying that everything that I wind up saying is intelligent, but thanks to Taylor, everything Sounds very crisp and clean. So all these gentlemen, they do a terrific job behind the scenes. Now it's my turn to do my part and be able to give you guys some winners for this MLB Monday, this 4th of July Monday. We've got one interleague game, so 
But if we wind up diving into that, this is going to be more of an afternoon game, 3.40 p.m. Pacific, 6.40 p.m. Eastern, as we've got 9.77, 9.78 on the betting board. Seattle Mariners, they're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the San Diego Padres with Sean Manea going for the Padres and Chris Flexen on the bump for Seattle. We've seen a little bit of move on this total. Open up at 7.5. We're still seeing a couple 7.5s, but a lot of places have moved to 8 on this game. And with the Padres, they open up right around a minus 170 favorite. Find them between minus 175 and minus 180. And for the Mariners, you're going to be getting them anywhere between about a plus 150. And where I'm sitting right now at Circa, that is the high watermark of a plus 165. And if you're taking a look at the run line, because I am doing that, you're finding it in a lot of spots right around a plus 125. And I would need a little bit north of a plus 120, but plus 125, that'll do it for me on the run line of the Padres. I do think that's just so impactful. Maybe got Manny Machado back in the fold for the San Diego Padres because until Luke Voigt wound up getting his seventh home run in the season a little bit earlier in that LA Dodgers series, he's the only guy that had been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. Now, you do have a couple guys that are stepping up in terms of the batting average as you've had Jake Cronenworth throwing there, Jose Azucar being able to hit in that neighborhood about a 250, Eric Hosmer, has been solved for the team. And Noah Mazzaro wound up missing the first part of the season. He's been able to come through. He's been hitting right around about a 290. And for the Padres, I have a little bit more faith in this bullpen than I do in that of the Seattle Mariners. So what I will say about the Seattle Mariners, ever since they wound up DFAing Drew Steckenrider, who was actually a big part of what they wound up doing in the bullpen last season, they have been able to pick it up a little bit more. And that's just such a big reason why the Seattle Mariners wound up being able to win the 90-plus games that they wound up last season, despite the fact that they had that infamous right-around negative 50 run differential. And to the credit of the Seattle Mariners, there's been one team over the last three days that's got a better bullpen area than Seattle. That'd be the New York Yankees. And over the last three days, by the way, the New York Yankees have a 203 bullpen ERA. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And a little bit over 95 innings of work. These guys have been absolutely insane with that regard. But for Seattle, they have been able to pick it up a little bit. But Chris Flexen is a guy that just gives me a little bit of pause. Wound up having a nice renaissance year last year after you wound up actually spending a year out there in the KBO. I know that many of you guys might wind up, might might remember firing on him when he was playing for the good old Tucson Bears out there in the KBO during that pandemic 2020 year. But that said, with Flexen, just not a guy that's going to give you a lot of swings and misses. And when you don't wind up getting a lot of swings and misses like Chris Flexen, you need to be just pinpoint accurate in regards to command. And he hasn't necessarily been that this year. Last year, he wound up giving up just a little bit over two walks per nine innings thus far this season. That has ticked up a little bit closer to three walks per nine innings. So that winds taking a little bit out of you. He winds giving up quite a bit of contact right around nine and a half hits per nine innings. So you've got your issues there. And I do think that this is a pottery team that they're going to be able to do a solid job of be able to get to them now. As we know, San Diego, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. As you take a look at San Diego home to road, there's just not a lot of comparing the runs per game because this is a pottery team that they actually rank in the top five in terms of runs per game whenever they do wind up hitting the road. This is a bunch that are averaging a little bit over five runs per game when they're away from San Diego, more like 3.8 runs per game at home. I think that that's a big thing to take a look at now. This is going to be a little bit of an earlier game. So the ball is going to be flying a little bit more out there in San Diego. I always think that that's a big factor to take a look at with regards to these West Coast teams, especially if you ever wind up handicapping a game out there in Oakland, the Marine layer. That is out during the nighttime. Meanwhile, in the daytime, it actually becomes quite hitter-friendly, so I do think that that's something that's important to take a look at. But that said, I do think that you are going to have Chris Flexen not necessarily give the world's greatest start. And Sean Benet has just been really random this year because his velocity has been all over the place. If you've been tracking his velocity, he's up or down 2.5 or so miles per hour 
in a lot of his starts, which is why he's got an uneven right around 390 ERA. He's been giving up a little bit over home run per nine innings. Command hasn't as even great. He's been giving up a little bit over three walks per nine innings. And home and road, his ERA is right around a 3-9 with not a lot of differential in between, but you do have a Padres bullpen that I think is going to be able to do a relatively solid job here. Taylor Rogers has been one of the better closers out there in the big leagues. He's been able to provide north of 20 saves thus far this season. I like what you've been able to get as well out of some of your longer guys looking to Bell. Chrisman has been solid. Craig Salmon, I know that they've been able to utilize him for multiple innings in recent years. He's really been able to find it recently as well. So I do think that that's a good redeeming quality with this team. And then for the Seattle Mariners, they're dealing with an injury to Ty France. They're a top leader in terms of batting average, hitting right around 320. J.P. Crawford has been out of the fold as well. Now, Julio Rodriguez, along with Eugenio Suarez, both of these guys have been able to combine for 27 home runs. Both of these guys have been able to do a solid job but be able to get on base. So you've got Rodriguez hitting more in the pocket about a 275. has been one of the better rookies out there in the American League. But have a little bit more faith here in San Diego being able to win this game by multiple runs because I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a rough go of it here for Chris Flex. And I do like the fact that the Seattle Mariners have been able to find some nice gems and guys like Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy out there in the bullpen. But I mentioned the fact that their bullpen has been able to do a much better job recently. If you take a look at the fielding independent in this time span, it's been nearly a full point higher than the ERA out there in the bullpen. And you know what that means? Going to be doing for a little bit of regression. So I am going to be taking a look at this total under now that we're finding more around an eight. I would rather have a seven and a half over personally rather than an eight under, but at eight, That'd be beginning to be my buy point on the under because it is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but I think that the Padres should be able to win this game, and I think that they can win this game by multiple runs with the way that they have been playing. And then we've got a double dip that is going to be going down. We've got numbers on one game, but not the other. This is between the Cleveland Guardians and the Detroit Tigers. So always when you wind up having double headers like this, you don't want to be screwing yourself up with the games, and before you wind up seeing game one, you probably want to be double-checking your ticket to make sure that you don't wind up having any sort of pitching switcheroo. These are very notorious for having a guy in, like, game one because right now in game one of Guardians versus Tigers, you've got Garrett Hill who's going to be going for the Tigers, Zach Plesak who's going to be on the mound for the Guardians. Right now, it is to be determined for the Guardians in game two along with Alex Fajardo. You don't want to be having it be Mr. Fajardo wind up going out in game one, and instead of Zach Plesak, you've got insert your pitcher here for the Cleveland Guardians. That's very, very important. It sounds very elementary, but it's something that winds up happening, and these can pop up at pretty much a moment's notice, but in the one game that we do have numbers on between Plesek and Hill right now, you're finding a total of 8.5, and when it comes to the Cleveland Guardians, going to be getting them anywhere between about a minus 135 to a minus 145, and I just think that this is too high of a total. you got a Guardian team that they're one of the worst teams in baseball being able to get home runs are going to be playing out there in a pitcher-friendly ballpark in Detroit. And even though it is the debut of Garrett Hill, and Garrett Hill, I took a look at him at the minor league level. He was doing a little bit of work for the AAA Toledo Mudhens. And, I mean, he's actually been halfway decent. He's been able to give you a, quite a few strikeouts. Now, the walks are an issue. He doesn't necessarily lend a lot of length. But the Detroit Tigers' one redeeming quality is that their bullpen has been absolutely magnificent this year. They are in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA. And a lot of these guys, like Willie Peralta, like Michael Former, they're sort of failed starters that can give you multiple innings. Tyler Alexander is another guy that could be able to line a little bit of length in this spot as well. And with it being a doubleheader, that's going to be very important. And with the Detroit Tigers, there's no trusting in this offense whatsoever. As you've right now got a bunch that 
right around six out of your eight starters are hitting in the neighborhood of a 215 or lower. To put this into perspective, you've got Aaron Judge along with Anthony Rizzo with 15 home, run, 50 home runs this season for the New York Yankees. The Tigers have, as a collective at 44. So I'm going to be diving under here and I'll dive into this double dip a little bit later. But coming up next, got to talk some football and some basketball with Eric Moody of ESPN. Next right here on VSIN, Esports Bang Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here for just $19. You get At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Everything that VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up and you'll be able to get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily best bets out there in the MLB. We've got you covered with regards to NFL preseason coverage, premium articles as well on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which includes the daily best bets email, every single edition point spread weekly, our betting tools, and live video streaming when you want it, the cost is just $19 via subscriber through July 31st, and you go to VEASAN.com slash summer to be able to get this offer as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by ESPN's Eric Moody. He does an absolutely tremendous job being able to take a look at the NBA. And on top of that, I know that he's going to be hard at work taking a look forward for the NFL season. I, I know that he does a lot of fantasy sports and Eric, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Oh no, you're welcome. Yeah. Happy to be here. So it's, uh, if I'm doing any better, I'd be a twin. <laughs> absolutely. And it is a case in which with the NBA, there are a lot of people who are doing really well because there's been a lot of money passed around these last few days. Yeah. And it's been fascinating to take a look at free agency because right now there's a lot of speculation as to where Kevin Durant is going to be going, what's going to be happening with Kyrie Irving, what are we going to be able to get out of just so many of these big guys that have been looking for a trade. But let's take a look at what has actually happened. And I think that the biggest trade thus far is what we wound up seeing with the Minnesota Twins of the Utah Jazz. It is clear that the Jazz are going to be going in a little bit of a new direction as oh, yeah. they wound up trading away Rudy Gobert. Personally, I felt like this was a little bit more than the Minnesota Timberwolves had to give away because they wound up giving away essentially four first-round picks, including Walker Kessler, who was the first-round pick of this season. So it's a case in which I just wonder what it, you're going to be able to get out of Kevin Durant at this point. That is going to be up for debate for the next few weeks, as I don't think that there's going to be a quick resolution there. But with that said, with regards to what wound up happening with Utah and Minnesota, I think they were both in agreement. A little bit of a downgrade for the Utah Jazz just in the short term. But how do you wind up seeing this going for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Because Carl Anthony Towns is terrific. Rudy Gobert is terrific. But you've now got two 
very, very dominant low post players on the same roster. Yeah, no, very good point. I think when you have a, a player like Gobert, like you have him in uh, in the middle, you know, to anchor the middle of your defense, you've got, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, you can move him to the four. I'm like, you look at Towns, he's obviously one of the great shooting big men in the league. So from an offensive lens, it's a fit. I think on defense, it could be a challenge as Gobert is already tied to the paint near the rim. In Towns, he might be challenged laterally if he has to spend most of his time on the perimeter. So I'm kind of curious to see how those two uh, can coexist. But I think if you look at Gobert from a like a per minutes perspective and just wondering how productive he'll be, I think you'll see similar minutes in Minnesota as he did in Utah. So I do see both players being able to coexist, but it could take a little bit of time and it may be slower than most people expect for them to gel. Yep, I do think that that is going to be really fascinating to take a look at because Anthony Edwards, he is coming as the number one overall pick and clear that Tom Crean didn't mind up using him the world's greatest way at Georgia. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise right there. But man, it has been interesting to take a look at this Minnesota Twins or this Minnesota Timberwolves team as they've been able to do a nice job out there. And then I mean, just with regards to speculation that we're seeing with regards to possible landing spots for Kevin Durant, I oh, think yeah. that that is just a ball of wax in and of itself. I just wound up saying you probably don't want to be betting on speculation right now because this could wind up going one of about 57 different ways. But for whatever team winds up getting Kevin Durant, I don't think that it's a slam dunk that they should necessarily be the future's favorite just because we wound up seeing how things wind up blowing up in Brooklyn. We wound up seeing the LA Lakers, obviously a different situation Mm -hmm. with Russell Westbrook coming in there. And I feel like really the blueprint in the NBA recently has been a lot of these teams doing a good job in the draft. You're bringing in a couple free agents, but these guys aren't necessarily the key cogs of the team. They're a little bit yeah. more of just role players in general. I don't know how you wind up feeling about that, but I feel like we're going to have a scenario which wherever Kevin Durant winds up going, you're going to find that team, whether it be the Suns, whether it be maybe even the Boston Celtics who wind up getting Malcolm Brogdon as well. You're able to go down the list, be the future's favorite, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Yeah, the Durant, it's just such a it, it's an intriguing situation on multiple levels because you've got so many teams that are in the mix, especially we have a player like that has a caliber of Kevin Durant. But just as you were going through that, Greg, you know, I, I really like to see him land like with a team like Miami. I just think looking at their situation, uh, the players that they have, I, I think it'll be very difficult for it to happen. But I think one team where he could immediately have an impact because of the continuity there from many seasons ago, like would be with Golden State. I think it's crazy because if the Warriors did bring back Durant, I'm like, it's ironic because, you know, look at what they've been able to build since 2019. In my opinion, they have arguably the best package of young players available to acquire him. And they wouldn't have to necessarily completely gut their roster to get the deal done. And they should be able to pick up immediately where they left off before. And so from like a betting lens, if he lands there, I'd be comfortable making bets, just given that continuity and the scheme and the players that will surround Durant, obviously uh, Steph Curry, you know, and the other pieces that they have there. So that's just a quick thought on that. Yeah, it's really hard to be able to gauge this right now. And if he does wind up going back to Golden State, boy, oh boy, that would be something that social media would be having a field day with. We would be seeing probably a lot of memes and gifs wind up popping up in that <laughs> regard. And I would be there to laugh at every one of them. So that would be just some good fun in general. But With that said, I know that you also do a nice job when it comes to being able to take a look at the NFL. I know that you do a Mm -hmm. lot of work when it comes to the fantasy sort of thing. And I know that you do a nice job 
taking a look at a lot of these guys with regards to the running backs, because as we know in fantasy mm-hmm. football, that is always one of those things that wind up reigning supreme. And do you have any sort of feel with regards to who might wind up being able to come away with the rushing title this season? Because I always feel like that's one of the most interesting things to take a look at Derrick Henry. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year, who knows what would have happened mm-hmm. because Jonathan Taylor wound up having an absolutely massive year. But I know you're looking at someone that's outside of those big two. Yeah, no, you know, you're right. I would say I'll, I'll give everyone like um, kind of like a, a favorite and then like a dark horse candidate. I, like I would say the favorite. It, it's hard to it's hard to fade like someone like Jonathan Taylor. You know, he's last year's rushing leader. Uh, I have him projected for around like fourteen hundred to fifteen hundred yards. Great situation with the Colts. He's got Matt Ryan under center. So they got more. We'll say um, what's the right word? I guess more reliability with Matt Ryan than someone like Carson Wentz. And then you look at the Colts, they should still heavily lean on Taylor in the running game. And he had 10 games last year with a hundred or more rushing yards. I think he could have more in 2022. Now, if you're a better, you're sitting there thinking, okay, who's a dark horse candidate, a long shot that I can bet on. And that long shot, in my opinion, is Najee Harris. So if you're looking for a value, I would consider him. Now he finished last season with you know 1,200 uh, rushing yards uh, at OTAs. You know he looks as physically imposing and intimidating as who you mentioned, Greg, Derrick Henry. And I think with the additions that they made on the offensive line, uh, they're very flexible players. Uh, uh, James Daniels, Mason Cole, they play guard or center. So I think with uh, those additions, and you've got Harris going into his second season, he could surprise a lot of people. Plus they've got Mitch Trubisky under center gives them a lot more flexibility offensively than having someone like Ben Roethlisberger at the tail end of their career, uh, of his career, excuse me, under center. So I do like Harris quite a bit. And what I think is also one of intrigue as well is I always am a sucker for taking a look at this guy coming into the season. I'm someone that I'm from the state of Wisconsin, and I take a look Mm -hmm. at the most underrated player in the division, in my opinion, and it's always Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, if he could just wind up being able to put together a full season I think that this guy would be able to put up some absolutely monster numbers. Right now, I'm seeing his mm-hmm. rushing total at DraftKings at 1,150 and yeah. a half on the over and the under. I'm not sure if you've got any feel for Dalvin coming into the year, but I think the question isn't necessarily ability. It's not necessarily, is he going to get enough tough touches? It all comes down mm-hmm. to health with him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I do like Dalvin Cook quite a bit. Um, no, it's not directly tied to rushing, but like with his usage, I know he'll end up being used most likely from what I've been reading reports being used more as a receiver out of the backfield. So that's a good sign because they want to keep him actively involved. And again, he's another candidate that I like quite a bit from a betting lens. If you're looking for like a dark horse candidate to uh, bring down that rushing title. But to your point, hey, it's all about availability. And if he does play a full season, I'm like, he could, he could take that title away from Taylor. Yep, and I do think that Dalvin Cook in for a big year. And we've got a minute left here, and I know that you've been posting a lot about the Raiders recently. What's your outlook for this offense? And I know you've got a little bit of a play here on Derek Carr as well with regards to some of his props coming into the season. Yeah, yeah, I know I know you've noticed some of those tweets out there, so I'll be brief. So Derek Carr is one of my favorite dark horse candidates. I'd have bet on to lead the league in passing yards and exceed, you know, his uh, passing uh, passing yards props as well. So you look at Carr. He was fifth in the league in passing yards a year ago with 4,804 passing yards. And that was without, like, Devontae Adams to catch his passes and also with Darren Waller missing some time. So when you add Adams, who he has continuity with from their college days, and Waller and their other pieces, he's someone that I like that could exceed expectations. Yep, and I do think that this is going to be such a interesting Raiders team. I'm not... Mm-hmm. 
necessarily sold on the defense, especially in that division, but I do think that the offense yeah. got a chance to be able to have a very big year. And Eric, I'm sure that you're going to have a great year when it comes to taking a look at all the props, when it comes to being able to take a look at things from a fantasy perspective as well. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, not a problem at all, Greg. Appreciate the invite as always, and have a good rest of the night. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. And Eric doing a great job turning it forward to NFL. But on the 4th of July, all about baseball. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the diamond right here on Visa. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.